one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Happy Hanukkah to all our Jewish listeners. This is the Beyond the Game program coming to you from the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Sports talk without the trash talk. I'm Rick Benson. With me, as always, is Zach Barletta. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program is where to find us. I want to get right into it because there's a pretty cool thing going on prior to this Sunday's Bills game against the Miami Dolphins. Church at the Game is a non-denominational chapel service. It's for fans who want to go to the game but don't necessarily want to skip their Sunday morning worship service. Church of the Game will feature a message from Reggie Dabbs. He speaks at events all across the nation. Music will be led by Buffalo Police Officer Mo Badger as well as local recording artist Christian Rainville. Fans are invited to gather from 945 to 1045 in the morning at the AdPro Sports Training Center. It's adjacent to the New Era Field in Orchard Park. On the BTG studio line now to talk about that is Zach and Neil Baran. I want to thank you guys for taking a few minutes to tell us about this cool event. How, how did it all come about? Well, Rick, it, it honestly was founded out of an idea. Um, we found a church on the beach in, what, seven years ago, I believe. And it was just an idea to give people a chance to attend church who were either vacationing or just going to the beach for a Sunday. And it grew from the first year we averaged around 33 people, the next year around 50, all the way up until this past year we averaged around 1,000. And we figured, you know, why not take that same concept and apply it at a Bills game, where we, as if you watch YouTube, you know that people typically tailgate and things get a little crazy, but there are people that would like to attend church that can't. So we decided why not give them an opportunity to go to church. Yeah, the other thing is that it's not really designed to be an alternative to church. But the reality is, on any given Sunday, anybody could probably guess where they can find 72,000 people who aren't in church. So that was kind of the thought behind Church on the Beach, and it became the prevailing driving force behind Church at the Game. You guys mentioned Church at the Beach. Is that something you're doing in Buffalo? Where is that at? That's in uh, Fort Erie, Ontario, which is just probably 15, 10 to 15 minutes over the Peace Bridge, um, right there in Lake Erie. And it's that's been a phenomenal event that's been wide, widely successful. Yeah, and it draws people from both sides of the border because um, Buffalo's so close that that's basically a vacation community for Western New York as well as folks who live in southern Ontario. So there's thousands of people coming to the beach every weekend, and the idea was why not provide some opportunity for people to hear the gospel. Yeah, with the kind of crowds that you mentioned, a thousand people, a lot of churches would be envious to have that. Yeah, but like we said, our goal is never to pull people out of the church. As a matter of fact, Neil, you could probably help me with the number, but I believe around 250 people have come to Christ uh, as a result of Church on the Beach. And through that, we point people to local churches. So we're actually helping to feed the local church with people that are hungry for the gospel and that want a place to call home. Yeah, and some of the really cool stories revolve around people who not only came to faith in Christ— but have planted themselves in a local church somewhere, are now growing in Christ, and have become either active in the ministry of that local church or also have become our volunteers at church on the beach. So um, 
quite a few of the people that are helping us uh, in volunteer work at the beach are also, um, you know, people who came to faith in Christ at Church of the Beach. Well, that's obviously where we drew a good number of our volunteers for this new event called Church at the Game. And you got to start somewhere, so you go to the people that you know best. And, you know, so we're going to have an opportunity to work with a lot of the same crew that we do in the summertime at this special event. Wow, praise God. That's great to hear. Now, I understand you have a very special guest lined up to give a welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, we're really excited. Well, actually, two special guests, but uh, former Buffalo Bills quarterback and Hall of Famer Jim Kelly, uh, you know, has been endorsing this. He's given us his approval, and he thinks it's a great idea. And he's agreed to come give a special greeting and a welcome. And along with him is the, the new Buffalo Bills chaplain, Len Vandenboss. So we're excited to have both of them in attendance. Now, is this something that the Bills' ownership is involved in, or are they at least supporting this event? I can speak to that. You know, when we first thought about doing it, we started asking questions, started asking around, and in conversation with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, um, we discovered that something like this is happening already in Kansas City. And for the last four years, Fellowship of Christian Athletes has held a fan chapel service prior to the game. Um, And that was something that was known about and approved by the administration of the Kansas City Chiefs, but not necessarily a Chiefs event. They just allow them some space in one of their buildings prior to the game, and uh, that's essentially what you have in Buffalo as well. So we went down and checked it out, uh, went to Kansas City last year, saw it happening, uh, and began the process of trying to talk to the Bills. It was a long and slow process <laughs> to be sure it's a major organization and getting to the right people. You know, it, as it, when the season began, we still had no idea whether or not they were going to approve it. So... Uh, one of the other founders of the church at the game, Bill Hines, sent an email to the Bills and said, look, the season's begun. We haven't heard from you. That's okay, uh, whatever time it takes. But would it be okay if we just try it the last two weeks of the season? Uh, I think Zach would agree. We're pretty thankful <laughs> that uh, last week we weren't able to do it. But they did say you can do it during the last home game. And that's, uh, of course, the 17th when uh, the Bills play the Miami Dolphins. So they're allowing us to do it on a trial basis with the understanding that if things go well, they would consider allowing us to do it in future years. But uh, we asked the question, do Terry and Kim Pagula know about this? And the basic response we got from several different staffers was, nothing happens here that they don't know about. So, yes, they're aware of it. And um, But this is this is the Church of Western New York. It's, it's, it's uh, Christian ministries and churches in Western New York coming together to put on a chapel service for fans called Church at the Game. And it happens to be happening in the Ad Pro uh, sports training facility, but this is not a Buffalo Bills event. It's just happening before a Buffalo Bills event. We're talking with Neil and Zach Boron. They are a father and son team involved with Church at the Game, the chapel service for football fans. It starts at 945 this Sunday prior to the Bills-Dolphins game, and as I just mentioned, it's in the AdPro Sports Training Center next to New Era Field. You can follow them on Twitter at Church at the Game. What happens next? I mean, if, if you get a good crowd, you mentioned this is something you're thinking to do more of next year? Well, that's the ultimate goal. I mean, just like Church on the Beach, we'd love to make this a weekly event, you know, for every Bills home game that happens to be uh, Sunday at 1 o'clock. Or, I believe the Chiefs don't even do it unless it's a Sunday 1 o'clock game. Yeah, they don't do it on Monday night games or Sunday night games, only at, uh, you know, afternoon games on Sundays. Yeah, so the the long-term goal would be, you know, if the Bills can approve this, to make this uh, a foundation and a staple and something that people can look forward to prior to a Buffalo Bills game. Yeah, and I want to add, too, that you know nobody tailgates like Buffalo Bills fans. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful experiences people have uh, at tailgates, but we've also made the national news for <laughs> a couple of times 
uh, in less than desirable ways because of things that happen at tailgate. So I know for sure that the Bills organization, and we've pretty much heard this from their management, that they're looking for positive alternatives and, and things that they can offer fans. So when we're in the Ed Pro Sports training facility, we're, 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 we're sharing that space with what's called the fan zone experience where you know, kids can run 40-yard dashes and throw footballs at targets and stuff like that. So it's a very family-oriented atmosphere anyway. They've given us the last third of the building to be able to use for this event. They're setting up 500 chairs. It probably could hold at least 1,000 if you did standing room only. But, it, it, I mean, it's a significant area. But the rest of the facility is also being used for the fan zone experience. So um, we're, we're trying to fit in and be good partners and good neighbors and help to provide another healthy alternative for fans who are hoping to enhance their tailgate experience. I know Bills fans are one tough bunch. Are Dolphin fans welcome, and do you have a plan to make sure the Bills fans are friendly? (laughs) Uh, There's no way we're letting any Dolphins fans in. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, anybody's welcome. Anyone, whether whether you're churched, unchurched, you know, old or young, Dolphins fan, Bills fan, everybody's welcome to come. It's a non-denominational worship service, and we are going to clearly talk about, you know, the reason for the season and who that is, and it's Jesus. We're going to lift up his name. Um, but anybody who happens to wander in, whether they knew about it in advance or not, they're welcome to be there. Well, and that's also part of the beauty of this experience is that you don't even need a ticket to, for the game to get into church at the game. So if you just happen to be out in Orchard Park on Sunday without anywhere to go, feel free to stop in. That's a good point. You're not in the stadium yet, so you actually could come just to church at the game. And uh Maybe use it as an outreach. In fact, we've encouraged some people, look, maybe maybe friends of yours have tickets to the game, but you don't. Well, bring a few additional friends, come and join them, all of you come together, and then head out to Tully's afterwards and uh, have some lunch and discuss what happened and watch the Bills game there. I mean, there's any kind of alternative available, I guess. Neil, Zach, thank you for coming on and sharing this. This, this sounds terrific, by the way. I, I'm hoping this does so well that the demand is there that you do it for every game next year. So I wish you the best of luck, and I'll be praying yeah, and if for any, you. Thank you. And if anybody wants to visualize it, I encourage them to go to churchatthegame.com. We've got a video on there, and there's some. you click on the media button. There's a, a Buffalo News article. There's a lot of stuff you can watch to help you better understand exactly what's happening. That's Neil and Zach Baran telling us about Church at the Game. If you're heading to Buffalo Sunday for the Bills-Dolphin game, why not check out Church at the Game? It's 945 to 1045 in the AdPro Sports Training Center right next to New Era Field. Some good local talent leading music, plus a message from Reggie Dabbs and a welcome from Jim Kelly. Their website is churchatthegame.com, and on Twitter, it's at churchatthegame. Coming up on today's program, our friend Jason Romano is going to join us once again. He is the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast. He has a new book out called Live to Forgive, plus some Yankees talk, a favorite topic around here. We'll share our thoughts on the recent offseason splashes the Yankees have made. We'll have another special guest joining us this week for Zach's shenanigans statements. And, of course, we'll tell you what it is that we like this week. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Next Pro Training will be hosting their third annual College Instructional Baseball Clinic coming up December 19th through the 21st. This three-day event is run by current college coaches from multiple levels. With a total of 12 different coaches over the course of the three days, your son will get the very best instruction as well as more exposure than most showcases offer. For more information, contact Next Pro Training at 585-413-3111. Once again, that's 585-413-3111 or visit nextprotraining.com. Hey, it's Zach. 
If you're a fan of unsolved mysteries, mythical monsters, murder whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is recorded in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. The podcast, though, is downloaded all around the world. And at last count, I think it was over 40 different countries. Last week's show, in fact, was downloaded in places like Ireland, England, South Africa, and in the Philippines. And among domestic downloads last week, we spotlight Glen Cove, New York. Located on the north side of Long Island, Glen Cove is the birthplace of Nick Markakis, the Atlanta Braves outfielder. Playing for the Braves is sort of like playing at home for Markakis, though he was born in Glen Cove. The family moved to Woodstock, Georgia when he was young. Glen Cove is also the birthplace of Mike Grella, who plays soccer for the New York Red Bulls, sort of keeping with the playing at home theme. If your hobby is stamp collecting and you are an actual stamp dealer, then you may be familiar with Glen Cove, New York, as the headquarters of the American Stamp Dealers Association. Wherever you may be listening from today, we thank you for making us part of your day. To get the podcast, visit our website, btgprogram.com, or find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast source. Click subscribe and take a moment to leave us a review. This week's special guest joining us for shenanigans is our friend Darren Metzger calling in from Southern California via the BTG studio line. Darren, thanks for being part of the show once again. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. All right, Zach, take it away. What's your first statement? All right, number one, the Yankees' newly acquired slugger Giancarlo Stanton hit 59 homers for Miami last year while playing in a pitcher's park. I've seen calculations that say Stanton would have hit 75 if he'd played all his games in Yankee Stadium. So, truth or shenanigan, Stanton reaches 70 bombs this year in the hitter-friendly confines of Yankee Stadium. I say shenanigans. That, that's a that's a very big number. Mm-hmm. And some of the best power hitters who've ever played the game have not gotten there. Of course, some have, and so it, it's possible. It's possible. But I'll go with the law of averages and say, no, chances are he won't. Factor in the added pressure of being first year playing in New York, but mm-hmm. it's possible. What do you think, Darren? I say shenanigans as well. I agree with you. I could see Stan and Judge both pushing mid sixties. The seventy plus is an outrageous number. It's only been what done twice in the history of the game. Um, Bonds with the seventy three, and it's just. And he was in no way, shape, or form helped by steroids. I still believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Zach? I thought at first that I was going to say yes, but I just can't do it. I have to say shenanigans as well. I think more so because he's coming off of a career year, and it's the first time he's ever hit that many, so to expect him to then top that the next year I think is just asking too much. I think he'll get close, though. Number two, it's long been speculated that the Yankees plan to get under the luxury tax threshold this year was so they could spend big after this season when Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, and Clayton Kershaw are scheduled to be free agents. So truth or shenanigans, acquiring Stanton means that the Yankees will stay out of that 2018 offseason spending spree. What are your thoughts, Darren? 
shenanigans. Those guys that you mentioned are way too good to at least not check into, not try and go after, especially if you have the means to do it like the Yankees do. So I don't know if they'll get them, but they'll definitely make an attempt at it. I say shenanigans as well. That's just not the Yankees. You know, I, I think we've seen with Stanton, if they can make it work and still achieve their budget goals, they'll figure something out. Brian Cashman is a deal-making ninja. <laughs> uh, they've just, they're shrewd. They've, they've been creative. So uh, I don't think it necessarily rules anything out. I do think, you know, in, as far as Harper's case, they're pretty stacked in the outfield. So that might not be their priority, but I think Manny Machado stays in play, and I think Clayton Kershaw very much stays in play. What do you think, Zach? I say shenanigans as well. I mean, we're seeing rumors right now as we're recording this that the Yankees are kicking tires on a trade for Machado. Clearly, he fits at third base for them. He's an amazing talent. He's still very young. He would fit great with the core of this team. And, I mean, let's be honest, by the the way that Cashman's going this week, by the time this show airs, he may have traded for Machado, signed him to an extension with the Orioles <laughs> kicking in the money. Who knows? You know, so there's no way they're staying out of that free agent pool. <laughs> Number three, the Miami Dolphins' shocking victory over the Patriots on Monday night makes them a surprising but legitimate wild card contender. I agree. They're still alive for a playoff spot, and frankly, that's quite surprising. Yes, they're a contender. They're still alive, but I don't have a lot of confidence in their chances. And the biggest reason, because they have to leapfrog too many teams. Mm -hmm. You know, the later you go in a season, you might be alive mathematically, but when there's a lot of teams in front of you, it just reduces your chances. Yeah, Darren, what are your thoughts? Uh, I say shenanigans. I agree with you. Um, let's be honest. Jay Cutler's still under center the last time I checked. <laughs> and Jay Cutler is going to Jay Cutler. So, no, they are they are nothing but what we all know they already are. We think, Zach? I say shenanigans. Well, I agree that they're a surprising contender, but I disagree that they're a legitimate contender. Uh, they're the Miami Dolphins, and like Darren said, they have Jay Cutler. And the Miami Dolphins thing to do would be to surprisingly beat the Patriots and then get shut out by the Bills in a week. You know, like that's just what the Dolphins do. So um, I think we'll probably see a big hangover letdown against the Bills, but um, a legitimate contender, no. Like Darren said, Jay Cutler, and like you said, too many good teams in front of them. Yeah, I said I agree, but I, I guess I overlooked the word legitimate. I, they are a contender because they're still alive for a playoff spot, but mm -hmm. I guess legitimate makes that a different yeah. statement. And name only, I guess. The Eagles are the number one team in the NFC, but without Carson Wentz, they are no longer a threat in the playoffs. Why don't you lead off, Zach? Uh, I say shenanigans. Um, that defense under Jim Schwartz has just gotten better and better as the year goes on to where they're a legitimate top defense. Um, if they can run the ball with their stable of running backs and, and Nick Foles just keeps away from the interception, I don't see a reason why they can't keep going and moving on through the playoffs. Unfortunately, I'm going to agree, and I say unfortunately because this team was a really good story. Mm -hmm. And to have them play as well as they have all year and then lose your starting quarterback now is really just too bad. They're good. I, I don't think Nick Foles is a bad option, but I think without your leader, I think without Wentz, they'll have a tough time getting past teams like the Vikings or some of those other NFC teams beginning to take shape now heading into the playoff chase. Darren, what do you think? Um, I was talking to an Eagles fan. Like the other day, actually, Why? and he cracked a terrible <laughs> joke, but it did, yeah, right? He did make me laugh. He said, with Carson Hurt, there went the Eagles' chances to uh, win the I Super Bowl. It. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I laughed. I saw what he did there. 
Um, and I hate to say that I, I, I agreed with him because I actually liked this team. And, and even though there's a sweet hype video of uh, Nick Foles circling social media that briefly had me believing, <laughs> he's Nick Foles. They're not going to win with him under center. That's, that joke sounds like an Eagles fan just laughing to keep from crying. <laughs> well, it's comforting to know that moving out west, you're still an idiot. That's it for shenanigans. I want to say thanks to our guest, Darren Metzger, for joining us. Now, let me ask you, Darren, you're a native western New Yorker. You're now living in Southern California. Is it at least a little weird to not have snow, to not be seeing it at Christmas time? <laughs> I've actually said it's weird to several people. I've been trying to get into the Christmas spirit. I'm playing Christmas music while I'm driving by the beach with palm trees, and it's it's not feeling right. It's very weird. As long as we had Darren on the phone, I've asked him to put together a rant, just like he used to do, one of those unreasonable rants. So he's prepared, so take it away. I've been a Yankees fan since the days of Don Mattingly. My grandpa handed me my first Yankees hat and sat me down in front of the game. And since that day, I've been a fan. And now Giancarlo Stanton is the latest reason for people to vehemently hate the Yankees and others to defend them like it's their mother that all these people are spewing verbal hatred towards. First, Yankees fans, you did not win 27 World Championships. You didn't even win any of the five that you've been alive for. So please, when you're defending the Yankees, stop using the argument, well, we have won 27 World Series titles. We the best. We are not the best. The Yankees are the ones playing the game. We are the ones watching from our couches with a drink in one hand and chips in the other. Now, Yankee haters, I get it. You're mad that the Yankees win a lot. You're mad that as a Yankees fan, I can see more success than failure. I get that you have bought into the notion that the Yankees buy championships, even though the only time they attempted it, it failed miserably. It's a tired argument. Stop hating on me for rooting for a team that wins and hate the team you cheer for for not being able to figure it out. Listen, I'm a Bills, Knicks, Sabres fan. I know all about losing, but you don't see me all over social media taking shots at fans of every other team every chance I get, making up stupid nicknames like the Yuckies. Are you kidding me? Where are you, three? That's the best you got, so please just shut up. It's a game. Enjoy it. If you can't, turn the TV off. There you have it. New coast, same old Darren. Stick with us. We'll be back after the break. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Here's the Red Hawks recap for this week, covering the week through December 14th. The Red Hawks recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The men's basketball team fell to 9-3 on Sunday, evening its conference record at 1-1 after losing at home to St. Thomas Aquinas College, 89-84. Though at one point, it didn't look as though the game would be that close, with St. Thomas Aquinas opening up a 17-point lead. But freshman Gintaris Barstakis hit six threes on seven attempts to keep Roberts in the game. Barstakis finished with a team-high 20 points. The women lost as well, getting tripped up by Stonehill College on Monday, 75-63. Sophomore Emily Miller led the Red Hawks with 17 points. And last Saturday was the very first home match for the Roberts Wesleyan swim teams as they took on Genesee Community College in a dual meet in front of a capacity home crowd. The women's team came out on top by a 98-68 margin, while the men fell by a score of 136-36. Danville, New York's Jesse Gunn notched two first-place finishes. The freshman won the 1,500-yard freestyle events. Fellow freshman Julia Barnwell took first place in the 200-yard freestyle, while yet another freshman, Anna Vorderbruggen, won the 100-yard freestyle swim. On the men's side, junior Joshua Moore had two second-place finishes, 200-yard freestyle and 100-yard butterfly. 
The holiday break is upon us, so there's no home matches for any of the Red Hawks teams until after the new year. Keep up with all the happenings surrounding Roberts Wesleyan Athletics at their website, robertsredhawks.com. Get scores, highlights, and more, or follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. The Red Hawks recap is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Jason Romano is the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast. He was a producer with ESPN. He's the author of the new book, Live to Forgive. And we welcome him back on the program via the BTG phone line. Thanks, Jason, for coming on. Great to be on with you, Rick. Nice to talk to you. The book is very personal. You tell your story of forgiving an alcoholic father. Why did you decide to share such a personal story publicly by writing this book? Yeah, it's not something that I ever had planned or intended to do. It's not, um, you know, writing a book was probably the last thing ever that I thought I would I would be a part of or do, and especially writing a book on that aspect of my life. It's, it's one thing to write a book on sports and some of the fun things that you, you know, you love and you're passionate about, but to write it on this and forgiveness and my dad was something I, I never really wanted to do. But it was a combination of a few things, Rick, where I, I originally, back in 2014, I wrote a blog post that was literally four or five paragraphs about me choosing to forgive my dad. And that was probably a year after he finally had started to get sober. And I don't remember why I wrote it. I think I was just trying to really, you know, communicate some feelings and some, you know, uh, emotions that I was going through and just put them somewhere. So I wrote it for a blog and a few people read it and it was nice and kind of just sat there. And then in 2015, for the very first time at my church, I was asked to preach. Now, I've spoken before, but preaching and and speaking are two different things. And I was asked to preach on a topic, and I got to choose what I wanted. So I chose forgiveness, uh, and I shared, you know, some scriptures from the Bible, Ephesians 4, and, you know, Jesus telling us how many times to, to forgive, 70 times 7, and things like that. But then I shared the story of my dad at the end of the sermon. And I saw a response that was pretty overwhelming for me. And a lot of people coming up to me and telling me, me too, me too. And the me too wasn't necessarily, you know, I'm going through this issue with my dad. It was just, I'm struggling with forgiving someone who hurt me. And that sermon, and then another sermon that I gave a year later in 2016 at a uh, youth conference for uh, a camp, a church camp in New Hampshire, uh, where 80 kids came to the altar crying and writing down names of people that they needed to forgive or people that they needed to, um, you know, hope for, you know, kind of let go in a relationship that they have. But I saw those two things happen. And then another conversation with a person who's a pastor uh, who had written some books, and I told him about what had happened. He's the guy that said, you need to write a book on this. And I just kind of laughed at him. But that was really where it started. And then, you know, a conversation here, a conversation there. I got in touch with a publisher, and now we're here in almost at the end of 2017, early 2018, and, and we're about to see this book be released to the public. It's exciting. 
you mentioned people coming up and talking to you about them sharing their experiences. Me too. So many people, Jason, so many people deal with hurt mm-hmm. caused by someone else. And that hurt is seemingly even more painful and even more devastating when it's brought on by one's father. Was it more difficult for you to forgive your dad than it was others you've forgiven? And why do fathers seem to wound so deeply? Uh, it was definitely harder to forgive him than uh, than anything, really. I've been wronged in my life. I haven't had a, a lot of situations in my life where, you know, I've, I needed to forgive someone for hurting me. You know, I went through, you know, little bouts of bullying and things like that as a kid, but nothing that was like, really deep rooted and and just created these scars that were there. You know, there was nothing really like that. Maybe a few relationships when I was younger, but this was the one. And so for me, I, I didn't really have anything else to kind of compare it to, but it was, was very hard to forgive. And I think it is because it's your dad. You know, I think now that I'm a father and I look at it and I say, wait a minute, I have a responsibility to be there for my, for my kid, to love her unconditionally, to, be present in her life, to pour into her life, to just be her dad and be there for her. And my dad wasn't that for me. I mean, I know my dad loved me. I know he still loves me. But there was a lot of times when he just wasn't there or the alcohol and the addiction that he was walking through and going through took precedent over anything else in his life. And so when I look back and I remember that you know, he missed my high school graduation. He missed my college graduation. He missed uh, the day I got married. He missed the birth of our kid. Like, those are wounds that start at 16, 17 that expand well into my 20s and 30s. And they're hard. They're hard to let go. And they're hard to, to um, just kind of say, okay, well, no big deal. Let's move on. You know, it doesn't just, it doesn't just work like that. And a father is, especially with a young lady, but especially, you know, also with the a young man, it is a relationship that can't be duplicated. And that's why I think it's so hard to to let go and to truly forgive when it's a, a wound like that because it's your dad. And you expect more. I think even kids expect more from their dad than maybe any other person in their lives. You mentioned people wanting to just move on and, and simply go on without ever really forgiving. Men in particular are especially skilled at just burying the hurt, denying it for so long that they don't even realize sometimes that they still struggle with a hurt that they've compressed. What are some of the steps that you've identified, practical steps in getting to a point where forgiveness is possible? To be honest with you, Rick, I didn't even realize that these sort of steps were something that I had walked through in my process of forgiving my dad. But as I put the book together and as I was working with the publishing company and uh, another guy, a co-writer who helped me write the book. And we started to lay out kind of the feelings and the thoughts and the, and the process that I went through. We came up with four things. And the first was, the first step was feeling the pain. And it's something when you're going through it, we just kind of deal with pain a lot of times it happens, but we don't allow ourselves to truly feel, um, to feel that pain and to let it out. And, so that's an important step, I think, to start with. The second one is evaluating the trauma. What is this? What does this pain that I have uh, look like? And it's so important to evaluate it and look at it in a way that isn't just uh, – and, and it's okay to be angry, but to evaluate it and look at it from a point of where does it come from? Where does it stem from? 
uh, a lot of this is easier said than done. A lot of this is a lot easier to do in hindsight. But I do realize now that I look back that these were the types of things that I really needed to do and others can, it can help them too. So evaluating your trauma is the second thing. The third thing is transforming the wound, which is very difficult because we think about what does that look like transforming? That means something's changing, right? You know, and, uh, the Bible in Romans 12 says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That means something changes in our lives. And with the wound that's been placed in, in, a, in many of us and we have trouble forgiving and the hurt that's been done to us, transforming it is literally saying, okay, now's the time for me to understand what's happening and to take that, that pain that I have, feeling it, evaluating it, and transform it into a level to where I can at least approach the fourth step, which is making a choice, forgiving the abuser. And it is a choice. You know, forgiveness is something that we all, uh, I believe, need to do in our lives if we want to experience freedom, if we want to experience healing from pain, from things that have hurt us. But it's a choice. And we have to make that choice. And for a long time, I chose not to. Uh, but finally... I think when I got to a point where my dad was in a really bad spot, I really had to do those three things and feel that pain and, and transform that pain and evaluate that pain and, and finally make a choice to forgive him. We're talking with Jason Romano, author of the new book, Live to Forgive. You can follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Romano. I believe that forgiveness, you know, it has to be viewed by a believer in Jesus Christ differently than someone who doesn't have that faith. Obviously, not only does the Bible mm -hmm. tell us to forgive, but we have the example of God who's willing to forgive us of all our sins. How did your faith, Jason, impact you in your journey of forgiving your father? Well, I'll go back to what you just, that part that you said before the question. You said that as Christians, we should view forgiveness differently. We're supposed to, but for me, I was a Christian in 2001 is when I became a believer, and I didn't forgive my dad until 2013. So that's 12 years of being a believer and walking with the Lord and telling people I love Christ and still not being able to forgive my dad. And I think that's a spot a lot of people find themselves. Yeah, and as believers, you're, you're right. We should look at it differently, and we should always look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ, because every single day we wake up and we repent or, or give our lives over to God. He's forgiving us for the mess that is all of us, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are sinners and we mess up every single day. And God says, still, when you come to me, I will give you rest. I will forgive you. And so we should look at forgiveness through the lens of Christ. But for me, I don't know why. I think my, my flesh or maybe my, my own personal bitterness that I was going through, you know, led me to not wanting to forgive him or truly forgive him. Because I think I've I thought I might have forgiven him at, at, at different points over those years because I used to think forgiveness was when, when I would just allow him back into my life to have a phone call or something. It's like, yeah, I forgave him. I'm talking to him, aren't I? But I really realized after he was at his lowest point in 2013 that God looked at my dad on the same level he looked at me. And I used to think, no, that's, that's not possible. My dad's done all these bad things and I'm doing all these quote unquote wonderful things and, and married and have a kid and have a great job and all this. And so God sees me differently than he sees my dad because of the pain that my dad, you know, instilled into me and my brothers. And then I realized, no, 
God so loved the world, but Jesus said, I've come for everyone. And that puts me and my dad on the same playing field. That puts me and him on the same level. And when I finally grasped that, that's when I realized, oh gosh, okay, I need to choose to forgive this guy right away because that's what Christ would do and has done for me every single day. And so that was the moment. And that faith is essential, I think, Rick, in terms of understanding what forgiveness is. And the book talks a lot about that, the spiritual side of forgiveness and understanding who Christ is and literally what he did on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Like, he's forgiving the worst of the worst, the people who are trying to kill them. So who am I not to forgive my own dad for the pain he's caused to me? You're hosting the Sports Spectrum podcast now. I very much enjoy the depth of the stories you get into with your guests. Have you had a favorite guest or perhaps a favorite story you were most proud to tell? Yeah, uh, certainly when when you look at somebody's podcast, a lot of people gravitate towards the big names. So when you have a James Brown from CBS or a Benjamin Watson from the Baltimore Ravens or an Adam Wainwright from the St. Louis Cardinals or a Matt Chandler, the pastor out of uh, Dallas, and some of these sort of bigger, well-known people, those are always great. You know, it's always wonderful to say you interviewed player A or former player B or whatever. So I love those. And uh, we have a podcast coming up in early January with my sports hero, Daryl Strawberry. And I got to sit down with Daryl and talk to him for 40 minutes about, you know, faith and addiction and brokenness. And it was powerful. It was really, really good. Um, but the stories, to be honest with you, Rick, that I really enjoy, and we don't do a ton of them because they're hard to find uh, because you don't know these people, but they're the ones that we have guests on that nobody's heard of or nobody knows. Uh, we had a, a guy uh, from who works with Nike who was on back in October, Jordan Rogers. Nobody knows who Jordan is. He's, you know, he's a behind-the-scenes guy. He doesn't have a, a ton of followers on Twitter, and he's not like out there speaking. He's just doing his job. He's a guy married with his kids and just a regular Joe, right? But his story of overcoming addiction is incredible. And I was tipped to him, tipped on to him by a, a friend of his who was listening to my podcast. And he just said, hey, you should consider this guy as a guest. So I got on the phone with him, talked to him about his story of addiction. And the next thing you know, we spent an hour uh, on the podcast talking about his story. And it was it was powerful. It was really deep, very raw. And again, I, I, I love those because of the same reason that I wrote my book. It's It's transparency. And I think when we're raw and we're open and we're honest and we're real people can relate to that that's when people can connect that's when um people can actually start the process of healing themselves and that's kind of why that's why this podcast has been so wonderful and it's what i hope for and pray for that the book can do is is just help people and walk with people through their brokenness and potentially possibly lead them towards freedom and, and towards forgiveness once again, we're talking with Jason Romano. He's the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast. His new book is called Live to Forgive, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Jason Romano. You've shared this with us before, but since you last appeared on our program, we have a new audience. We're on a new station. So would you share your salvation story with us and tell us how Christ has impacted your life? I'd love to. Uh, it was May of 2001, Mother's Day. And it was a day where my mom and my brothers and myself were kind of getting together for Mother's Day as we usually did. 
Uh, but my this time, my mom wanted us all to go to church together, and it happened to be at my brother's church, my brother Chris, who is a pastor in Hudson, New York, and he is a uh, he's also a teacher of the Bible, but he's the first in our family to become a Christian. And Chris, he knew that I had been to this church before. I was a, I grew up Catholic and went to Catholic church a little bit as a kid. I got confirmed and did my first communion and things like that, but I really didn't have a relationship with God or ever have anybody to kind of walk me through what the scripture said about who Jesus was. So at 27 years old, I walk into this church, uh, and something was different that day. I don't remember the message. I don't remember the music. I just remember walking out, and my heart was a little different. And so through that, uh, I went and we went back to my brother's house and spent the day together with my mom and my grandparents and just kind of a, a normal Mother's Day hangout. And my brother just asked me, what did you think of that service? And I said, it was okay. It was all right. And for him, that was like a tractor beam. He knew right there and then that that was his opportunity to share the gospel with me. And so he, he just basically motioned to me and said, come here, let's go in the back bedroom for a minute. And we sat down and my heart was open that day to hear uh, and to listen. And my brother shared the gospel and I, I said yes to the Lord that day. Now, I didn't know exactly what I was saying yes to. It wasn't this miraculous sort of 180 transformation for me that just changed my life in the sense of, I went from here to here in an instant. It wasn't that way for me. It, it took about a year for me to fully understand the decision I had made, to fully understand who Christ was, to fully understand what salvation meant, to fully understand uh, what the cross meant. And But that was the day. And from then on, uh, you know, I've been walking with the Lord now for 16 and a half years, and uh, I'll, I would never go back to the life before that. And I'm just so grateful for my brother, Chris, and then for all the other people who've helped pour into me over these years. Is there anything specific we can pray about for you? Yeah, um, just for direction and for clarity from the Lord. Um, you know, with the book coming out January 15th is the release date for Live to Forgive. I don't know what's going to happen with this book. Um, I know I have a lot of people that I've worked with and, and, and had relationships with for over the years at ESPN that'll help promote it, and it could get it into the hands and could get seen by people who have very large influences in uh, in this country. But I don't know what God wants to do with it. I have no idea if it's just going to be a little book that sells a couple hundred book copies and helps a few people. If so, that's great. Um, if it's a book that helps, you know, a lot of people and reaches, you know, exceedingly more than I could ever imagine, also great. Uh, but I, I'm just kind of praying for for trusting God, trusting in God to do what he wants to do with this book and then for clarity to kind of know uh, and the wisdom to know sort of to walk the walk that he wants me to walk with this new platform that's opening up, which I've never experienced before. I've never written a book before. So I would love for, for prayer and all of that. That's Jason Romano. The book is called Live to Forgive. Why don't you take a moment, Jason, and tell the people how they can get a copy and how they can keep up with the Sports Spectrum podcast as well. I would love that. Thanks, Rick. The, the book is available January 15th everywhere. You can pre-order it. So it's available now to pre-order. Uh, it's at Amazon, you know, Barnes & Noble, all the places you can buy books. Um, and you can also get it at my website, which is simply jasonromano.com, my name.com. And, again, if you're ordering it before January 15th, it will be delivered to your place 
uh, your, your home or your work or whatever on the 15th that Monday. So that's exciting. And then the podcast is, you know, available now and it's, we've done 60 plus episodes and, uh, you can get it on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and all the places that podcasts are found. And we also have them archived at sportspectrum.com as well as on YouTube. Uh, you can search Sports Spectrum and every single one of our podcasts are also on our YouTube page. So everywhere podcasts are found, you can check it out and I look forward to hearing from everyone. Uh, whether it's regarding the book or the podcast and just hearing what they think. Well, you're a great storyteller, Jason. I want to thank you for spending time with us today. I hope you and your family have a very Merry Christmas. You too, Rick. I appreciate you having me on. Merry Christmas to you and to all the listeners. And uh, uh, God bless and keep doing what you're doing because you're making a difference, my friend. We've been talking with Jason Romano. Probably had his dream job with ESPN, walked away from it to follow God's lead, which has led him to host the Sports Spectrum Podcast, and now he's got a new book coming out called Live to Forgive. You can follow him on Twitter once again at Jason Romano or visit his website, jasonromano.com. I'm Rick Benson. Come on back. This is the Beyond the Game program. How can I forgive when I can forgive myself? Next Pro Training will be hosting their third annual College Instructional Baseball Clinic coming up December 19th through the 21st. This three-day event is run by current college coaches from multiple levels. With a total of 12 different coaches over the course of the three days, your son will get the very best instruction as well as more exposure than most showcases offer. For more information, contact Next Pro Training at 585-413-3111. Once again, that's 585-413-3111 or visit nextprotraining.com. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. During our shenanigans statement of last week's show, Zach, you asked if the Yankees needed to make a big offseason splash in the free agent market after they had missed out on Otani. And we had Wayne Times columnist Dan Borello sitting in with us. And to a man, each one of us said that, no, they don't need to make a big splash in the offseason mm-hmm. market. Between the time that We recorded that show, and by the time it hit the airwaves, they had made a move for Giancarlo Stanton. And if dealing for the reigning National League MVP, Major League Baseball's home run leader, isn't making a big splash, good night. I don't know why. I am shocked to learn that they did not listen to us. Well, again, we could maintain that they didn't need to do that, but obviously they did it. And you have to credit Yankees GM Brian Cashman. As I said earlier, he is a deal-making ninja. He did an outstanding job Mm -hmm. adding the most fearsome hitter in the game, taking on that huge contract, and yet still having a realistic chance at achieving their goals of staying under the luxury tax. Mm -hmm. I just... Look, Darren said it in his rant, the Yankees get a bad rap. People just like to hate someone else's success, but they have done a good job. People complain about them buying a championship, and I say, 
So what? They've never done that, though. Mm-hmm. You know, the t- the times that they've won wasn't with a sprint spending spree. Sure, right. they've had a high payroll, but in the last few years, they haven't been the highest. And I guess if your team is using their financial resources to get better players and give their fans a title, why would you complain about that? Obviously, you're just – I remember as a kid rooting for the Giants. I still do, but as a kid, we went through – a lot of miserable seasons, just like the New York Giants are having this year. But it really frosted my fanny when they would sit there and sell out the stadium and not put it back on the field. Mm-hmm. It's just not what the Giants did. So what they did last year in signing all those free agents was kind of like out of character for them. We were all like, what's going on here? But the reality is many teams have high payrolls and you can't buy your championships. And as Darren said, it's never worked buying a champion. You still yeah. got to play. You still got to have a team that wins. Look at Oklahoma City. They've got Russell Westbrook, they've got Carmelo Anthony, they've got Paul George, and they've done nothing but struggle this year. And now word comes out of the winter meetings that the Yankees have checked in with Baltimore Orioles about third baseman Manny Machado. Mm -hmm. Until the signing of Stanton, uh, we talked about it during shenanigans. Maybe you wondered, is he in play next year when he becomes a free agent? Would the Yankees make a trade for him? I can't see the Orioles wanting to trade him within division, and the reports are that Peter Angelos, owner of the Orioles, can't stand the Yankees, doesn't like the Steinbrenners, and is not really fond of making a deal there. Uh, plus, Machado wants to play shortstop, and Yankees are pretty set there with Didi Gregorius. So I'm not sure a deal's there to be made, but the Yankees are, are checking in on him, mm-hmm. which there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that a deal's going to be made, but credit the Yankees for at least looking into it because that's how they stumbled upon Giancarlo Stanton. Mm-hmm. Had they just said we could never take on that contract, the Marlins aren't going to trade him here, nothing would have came about. But they did check in on him, mm-hmm. and good things happened. I'd be upset if he didn't check in on a Stanton and a Machado because you never find out if you don't ask. Why wouldn't you do your due diligence? There's no harm in looking into it, and who knows? Maybe you find something out that changes the outcome of your offseason because something's available where you didn't think there would be. Something's possible that you never thought was, and it impacts your team moving forward. Sometimes it just pays to do due diligence. Maybe it's a job offer. Maybe it's a college choice. Maybe it's going out with that person your friend's been trying to hook you up with. Sure, maybe nothing comes of it. Maybe you've been down that road a number of times, but maybe this is the time that it actually works out. Maybe this is the one time where Things just fall together. You never know unless you actually look into it. Now, here's the thing about investigating something. You don't actually have to pull the trigger on it. You don't have to make a deal. Have you really ever thought about what happens to you after you die? Have you done your due diligence on that? And I don't mean just dismissing it as something you heard about or thought about once as a kid in Sunday school. I'm I'm talking about taking a real what-if look at it examining the scenario. What what about these claims? Such as the Yankees inquiring on Giancarlo, hey, what is the truth here? What is possible? The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. What happens to you when you stand before God after you die and he judges your sins? Will he find that they're forgiven and satisfied? Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What if I told you this? That somebody has already paid 
the debt you owe. Would you do your due diligence and at least investigate that claim? I challenge you to do this. Pray to God and ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him to reveal to you your sins so that you can fully understand what it took to pay for them so that they could be forgiven. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus has already sacrificed his sinless life on the cross to pay for my sins and yours. And though he was buried, he defeated death, rising again three days later. Here's where your due diligence pays off. You need only to believe that and then ask God to forgive you of the sins which sent Jesus to the cross. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Because of sin, there is nothing we can do on our own to get to heaven. There's nothing we can do to be forgiven by God of our sin. It is only the love and grace of God that this free gift is made possible. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When we realize what our sins have cost God, and how incredible that gift of forgiveness is, it naturally creates within us a sorrowful heart, a repentant heart. And when we are repentant, then we're able to throw ourselves on God's mercy and ask him to forgive us. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're all in sin. We're all sinners, and we're all in need of God's grace, of God's forgiveness. Do your due diligence and look into that. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Again, I challenge you. Do your due diligence. Consider the things you've just heard. Ask God to show you the truth in them. Where would you spend eternity should you die today? Talk to God. Tell him that you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Start a new life, repenting from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. It's all spelled out there. There's a tab on the right that says, Know Jesus, K-N-O-W, Jesus. If you'd like prayer, you can send us a note through the website. Once again, btgprogram.com. I'm glad you've allowed us to be part of your day. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through sports talk radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support.
Final segment of our mid-December show. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. The last person you might think should be talking about domestic violence at Liberty University of all places is former Baltimore Ravens running back Ray Rice. Most of us remember that horrific video from Atlantic City Casino showing Rice brutally knocking unconscious his then fiance in an elevator, that being just one year after he helped his team win a Super Bowl. But there he was at Liberty talking openly and honestly about repentance despite significant backlash on social media after it announced that Rice would indeed be addressing students there. He was transparent, and he was humble in talking openly about his own abuse as he shared how abusers can find repentance even if their abuse is yet unrevealed. Rice is still receiving pastoral counseling every week, but his humility and public repentance of Ray Rice is what I like this week. What I liked this week was New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees helping to build a brand new playground in New Orleans that is designed to be accessible for kids of all physical abilities. It's the first playground of its kind in New Orleans for handicapped and special needs children. Even includes a space where seeing children can learn the Braille alphabet. So Drew Brees building a playground that all kids can use is what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? This has been the Beyond the Game program. If you want to know more about the program, Just visit our website, btgprogram.com. There you will find more information about the program, past broadcasts, and detailed information on what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and knowing Him as your Savior. And you can also make a donation to this radio ministry there at the website. Once again, it's btgprogram.com. And just one more thing before we go, be sure to check out the stories that Zach Barlett and his brother Spencer are telling on his Myth and Mysteries podcast. Myth and Mysteries is available on iTunes and Google Play, or just visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Be bold and be great.